Today on Own the Future, we talk about networking, humility, and true greatness. Welcome to Own the Future, a podcast dialoguing with creatives and entrepreneurs to better understand who we are, the work that we do, and how we will shape and own the future. I am your host, Lucas Scrobot, SK Robot, and today with us is Joseph Hudson. I could not be more excited for Joseph to be on the show today. When Now, the first time that I met Joseph, it was at Raw Coffee here in Dubai, and I just remember hearing story after story after story that caused my jaw to drop. Just even his story of how he got to the position that he is from a small town in the Midwest of America, homeschooled to the royal palaces of Dubai. It is a story for the ages. And for those of you who maybe don't know, Joseph works for Dubai Film and for His Highness Sheikh Hamadan bin Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum. So really, Joseph has one of the highest positions of honor that a photographer could really hold um, working with the royal family. So Joseph, we are just so blessed to have you here with us today. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm excited to hear what you have to share. So I was thinking to start with, I I want to hear that origin story. It's an epic story <laughs> of how you went from homeschool, it was in Oklahoma, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to uh, the palace in the UAE. Yeah. Where so, does that start? So it uh, probably starts, um, I started doing... Uh, films as a, uh, commercially, I think when I was maybe 15 years old, um, I actually got an opportunity to start doing some videos. Uh, How did you get into film? Were you born with a camera in your hand? I was not born with a camera in my hand. I think the first thing, the first memory that I have about being fascinated with cameras was, uh, as like seven or eight years old, I'd get like two, uh, used toilet tissue rolls. <laughs> I glue them together and I just move it through the space. And like, that was my first, like, this is cool and kind of like spot it through, you know, that spot it through cool. the two holes. Um, so I've always been fascinated of looking through the camera. The camera, the uh, lens. We'd go through, we'd go to Walmarts and then you'd see, you know, there'd be a, one camera that's hooked up to a TV and then I'd yeah. like want to like play with it. But of course I'm too young to do that. And this is from a young age. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't know that that was what I was wanting to be. I wanted to uh, be a music artist at the age of 12. And so... Uh, eventually at 15, I got an Apple computer to start recording music. And through that, I found out that I could use iMovie to be editing videos that I'd been shooting since 13. I bought my first video camera at 13. Okay. So you had your first video camera at 13. Then was it one of those like all in one kind of purple pink Max? What was it? Actually, it was a uh, digital eight Sony Handycam. Uh, no, so no, the, like, uh, the MacBook. Sorry, oh, the sorry. Mac. The Mac was a 17 inch MacBook Pro. Wow. So it was the first generation. That is pretty baller. Yeah, it was very As blessed. Four, 13. Uh, 15. So my parents, my parents were able to uh, get that wow. uh, for the family after much uh, uh, bargaining with them. <laughs> so you, you were making videos younger, just kind of as a hobby. Then you figured out you could edit them. Were you thinking, oh, great, I can make music videos now? Well, it started doing, uh, I was doing videos of my older siblings playing basketball. Okay. And then I had my sister video me 
playing basketball. Uh-huh. And so the first thing that I did commercially was I took the video clips that I had been playing basketball and I cut together a highlight reel and made, uh, made a highlight clip of our team and resold those DVDs to my teammates' parents. Oh my goodness. So needless to say that- That is a racket right there. The teammates were like, hey, you didn't get my permission for that. So I was like, sorry, dude. You know, <laughs> I'll take the $25 from your parents. Thank you very much. And with that first video, then I paid for the camera that I had you know, bought two years before. And I was like, wow, I made 300 bucks. This wow. is uh, this is great money for like fifteen year old kids. So, wow, that is great uh, money. And that led to one thing and then another. That is so fun. So from there, you started kind of your own side hustle, and then you started doing actual. Was it a side hustle or did you get hired? So I actually uh, no, I've I've always been uh, self employed up until the point that I moved to Dubai. Okay. So I was looking for opportunities with uh, there was a uh, general manager of a local TV station that uh, came to our church and he saw videos that I was actually making there at my church. Um, there were like weekly announcement videos yep. and sermon intros, and out of that he was like, oh, uh, like have potential. So he taught me not only the creative side, but also the business side of how to be able to sell myself and to create content. So that led me into doing wedding videos and then TV commercials and live broadcast even there in the studio. Did he just take you kind of underneath his wing and mentor you just like, yeah, just because he was just like, he saw out of the goodness of his heart. It was great because like, according to law, like they couldn't hire me until I was 18. So what they did is he helped me create a business that way he could pay the business and then I could still come in and work for him. For Cause he was him like, wait, this for, is gonna be cheap station. labor. Well, it and wasn't so cheap. Wow. Yeah. So he eventually, when I got to be 18, he was like, hey, so can you, you wanna join uh, and start working with us? So I was like, well, why would I want to come on, on, you know, on payroll if I can make what I'd make in two days, you know, a month. So he's like, hey, you're, you're right. I shouldn't have taught you that much. So, <laughs> so, that yeah. is awesome. Yeah. So that was about the time. So I was um, doing the, that kind of stuff for until I was uh, around 17. I was thinking, okay, should I go to film school? Should I go to college? Should I, you know, do, what should I do? And I saw that the reason why people were going to film school was because they could uh, collaborate, meet other people uh, that were like-minded and and out of that, maybe some uh, breaks would happen through your peers. Um, and what I thought was instead of trying to make friends with a whole bunch of people on the same level as you, yeah. what I'd like to do is surround myself with people that are much better than me yeah. and seek out uh, you know those people that are agents of change and really making headway in the industry. So I heard about Which this- Which is brilliant. Yeah. I think when I heard you share that the first time, I was like, this guy is smart. <laughs> well, we're, everyone's people. So we're all yeah. the same. So if uh, if you're finding uh, opportunity to be a friend to someone else and you put yourself in those opportunities, then they're going to want to reciprocate opportunities. Um, so I heard about this camera company called Red and they were, uh, they were a new company up and coming and uh, the news was always changing and and so what I did is I spent I spent a lot of time learning everything I could about the red camera and, yep. and being able to reshare information on this What year op- is this? What? 2008. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was 17. And so I learned everything about the red camera even though I didn't have a red camera. I was in Oklahoma, you know, there's not really much film and they're going expensive. on. expensive. When when they first came out, they're how much? Yeah, so the the first generation camera would be about 35, maybe $40,000 to get a working kit, yeah. uh, which was still really cheap for a 4K camera at that time. Yeah. Uh, you know, HD cameras for movies were like $100,000. So red was a game changer in allowing 
the little guy like me to even think about getting a camera yeah. like that. Um, to where, so um, out of that, I, I befriended the, the people who are developing the camera and I eventually uh, made my way to be able to purchase my first RED camera. Uh, so how did that happen? Yeah, so that How was, did you make friends with people that were developing? I mean, that doesn't just, it's not like one day they find you and say, hey, do you want to be my friend? Yeah, I did really weird stuff. Uh, what uh, is it, some <laughs> of the weirdest things that you've done? The weirdest thing probably was, okay, so uh, Jim Gennard, the founder of uh, Red, he's the guy who also started Oakley Sunglasses. He started the company cool. and sold it for like $5 billion to start. No big deal. Uh, Red. And uh, what I did was I, I knew that his uh, anniversary was coming up. Uh, How did you know that? Well, it just uh, it was just something that was on online form that, uh, uh-huh. uh, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, so it's going to be his two-year anniversary coming up. And uh, so what I did was I searched online for like his home address and uh, and found it on a really obscure, obscure website. And uh, so I found... I, I wrote a letter and I, I said happy anniversary and I uh, included a $2 bill um, to yeah, mark the, the, the two, year. two year anniversary. This is wedding anniversary, right? Yes. And uh, so uh, so a couple of weeks later. that's not creepy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then uh, a couple of weeks later, I got a, a short little message from Jim saying, thanks for the lucky charm. Like a handwritten letter or just like an, he found just you an on, e- the, on he, the... He emailed me. Okay. He, he knew my email address yeah. through the online form and uh, emailed me. He's like... Thanks for the lucky charm, yeah, Jim. Yeah. Okay, so that's the kind of weird stuff that I would Was just... Was that your first kind of touch point interaction with them? No, actually, the first time that I met them, what I did was I uh, went to NAB, National Association of Broadcasters. It's an event, uh, an NAB show every year in Las Vegas, uh, April each year. And uh, a lot of filmmakers, maybe 100,000 people from around the, the world in the broadcasting and movie industry, they come there to see all the latest gear. And uh, so I'd made the personal connection with most okay. of the red team okay. uh, after three years of, you know. And you were on, but you were also on their forms yes. 24 uh, seven. Yeah. So they knew you as, you know, what was your handle back then? Uh, it was Joseph Hudson. Okay, so it was. It's, 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 all, it's all real names you, on there. You weren't like, uh, you know, camera Oklahoma boy 29 no <laughs> no I was just <laughs> Joseph Hudson and I had this weird hat I had this checkered fedora that I always wore uh yeah I wore it everywhere I went and uh, and so that was also included in my avatar so that whenever I went to these trade shows then people could spot me a mile away they're like Joseph so Hudson. smart so these kind of things are interesting as I watch videos and see people talking about like building your brand those are those little things that are weird but make you stand out and allow easy like recall. So you're like, oh, Joseph, oh, that guy. And then you're able to build those connections. Did this with guy that brought you underneath his wing, did he teach you that? Or did it just kind of happen? Were you like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to reach out. I mean, it I'm just f- kind of happened. I'm thinking yeah. of 17. Yeah. Um, not a lot of 17. I mean, maybe, when I was young, I would like write to like BMX bike companies, mm-hmm. try to get stickers. Yeah. But that's as far as my kind of stalking went at that young age. But for you, did just happen? Like what in you was like, I'm going to be just weird and I'm, I don't care that I'm going to be weird by posting on the site 24 seven and sending a guy a letter. I think I'm just weird. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just got to see, look at opportunities and find people that you want to, that you, you respect and you, you admire and begin emulating kind of what they're doing, what they're thinking about, what are they caring about? 
And if you care about the same things, if you're, you're thinking along the same terms and you're adding to their product or their mm-hmm. idea, their vision, then they're going to be excited to meet you and excited to whenever they have opportunities and they can't fulfill those. They're like, oh, this guy over here, let's bring him in. And uh, he's your guy. Yeah. So did, where did you, where did you learn that along the way? Cause a lot of people I find they hear, they hear this piece, right? It's, you know, you got to knock on doors, you got to get your foot in the door, you got to be weird and try to meet people, but they go about it the reverse way that you did. And they say, give me, give me, give me, give me rather than here, how can I help you? Yeah. Um, and what you just explained to me was if you go into a relationship saying, how can I serve your vision? How can I add value to whatever it is that you're doing and being interested in your life and what you're doing? Then later down the line, I'll be thought of. But where where did you even think of that at 17? I don't think it was something that I um, objectively set out. Okay, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it. It was just how do I get around these kind of people and how do I think like them? And out of that, I saw, I can look back and say, oh, that was the reason why they reciprocated those opportunities. Uh, and it just kind of happened. Just, um, happened. just placing yourself in those opportunities and, and seeking them out and not being shy about it. Um, yeah, I'm number five out of seven kids. So if <laughs> I wasn't going to do anything about it, then no one else no is one going else to would. do it about anything about it. So yeah, once, you're, get once you're number five, you're like, <laughs> if I want breakfast, I got to go make it, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Okay, so moving on with your story. So you you send in the $2 bill and from that relationship, you get an opportunity to get a red camera. So but all this time you've been posting without a camera on their forums. Yeah. So I think that $2 bill story is not really what really put me out, but it's one of the things along one the way. One of probably a hundred weird things you did. <laughs> um, so what happened? Uh, sorry, say, say the question again. Uh, it was just uh, when you were posting on the, the forums, yes. you did not have a camera. And so what opportunity led you to get a camera? Yeah, so I uh, had an opportunity to move to Los Angeles um, uh, in 2011 um, out of uh, the goodness of uh, another red user's heart, uh, someone on the community. He said to come uh, to to LA. And you intentionally stalked this guy too, right? If I remember, if I heard or remember the story from you correctly. I didn't necessarily stalk him, but found opportunities to to like help him. But you said, this is someone that I want to learn from who's better. Absolutely. And so I'm going to build a relationship with this individual rather than trying to sow my seed wide. I'm going to focus on strategic people. Right, right, exactly. Um, And uh, so I did a, the way that I sealed that was I did a behind the scenes video of him opening up the first uh, camera cool. or the second camera of the second generation red camera. It was the red Epic. So that was in February of 2011. And uh, so it was a very exciting time. The unpackaging. Exactly. The unboxing, that the unveiling cool. of this new, new, uh, new technology. And uh, so through that was able to, to move to LA. Uh, and if there were any opportunities for him to be on jobs, then I'd, I'd be right there with him. Um, and then later that year in September, I was able to, um, uh, find the money to be able to purchase my first, uh, red camera. And that was, uh, about a $75,000 investment. Wow. 
And did um, you did you had just been saving since you were fifteen, or how did you find? How does one find yeah. seventy five thousand dollars? I'd love to find seventy five grand. Yeah, uh, I actually had saved about uh, maybe between twenty and twenty five thousand okay. um, dollars from the businesses that I and from the the freelance work that I'd been doing. Knowing that you're wanting to buy this camera, exactly. I'd been scheming how to get this camera for like a year, uh, wow. and uh, and there was a friend that uh, that found out that I was looking to get this camera. And he said, uh, well, uh, we did the math and he said, well, if you can pay me, was it $3,500 a month uh, for the next 12 months or whatever it was, um, $4,500, then uh, it, he'd, he'd give that uh, loan to me, 0% interest. And uh, it was wow. just like, wow. So three or four days later, I picked up the camera. But and now you're on the hook for four to five grand a month. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's exciting because then you can finally talk to these people online that have known you and you've been building their trust and building a reputation for three years. Now you say, I, I send out a tweet, hey, I'm uh, picking up my camera on Tuesday. Uh, just, you know, something new that's happened. And then a couple hours later, get a, a direct message from someone from Australia coming into LA saying, hey, I have a shoot on Tuesday and Wednesday. We want to book you for two days. Uh, $5,000. So wow. then I've got the first month taken care of. Then two, three weeks later, I go to Barcelona to work on a film for one month. And that also pays for that month. And then 10 days later, I find myself in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a, a, it's just like a crazy, I mean, for so many, I, under, I understand it. And it makes sense. You were building towards it for so long. But in some ways, that just seems like such a crazy step of faith. Obviously you were probably by that point really great at what you did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, the product you've, you know how to sell, you know how to get clients. You, there's a lot of confidence because you've built these relationships with people at the top of the pyramid, if you will, but still being on the, on the hook for 5k a month for 4,500. That's for, for some freelance photographers, they're really stoked if they make 5k grand in a month. Mm -hmm. Right. I'd be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, I just read a book outliers, uh, by book. Malcolm Gladwell. Great book. And I think that really explains the truly what the story of success is. It's not about just one guy, like knowing everything. It's about that guy being in amongst people who open opportunities along the way. Mm. So yes, you have to be that guy who spends time tirelessly, you know, way too much time on the computer or, or searching yeah. out videos yeah. and learning everything about what you need to be learning about. And then that places you in the opportunity to have other people. Yeah. And if you don't have those other people, it's very difficult. So I've been very blessed to be afforded yeah. with these people that have, have wanted to come around me. So that's interesting that you bring that up. I think in, if I'm not mistaken in the book towards the end, he talks about, it was like a nuclear physicist or astrophysicist or something who he was brilliant but he didn't have those people to open the doors for him. Mm. And he just kind of was out in his cabin in the middle of nowhere with stacks of papers and kind of like, ah, no one's publishing, no one's listening to me, no, 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 no. But I think Malcolm's point was that he didn't have those relational networks around him to open the doors for him. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's very key. So I don't want to be a thing of like, oh, look at, 
just no it's like actually it's I'm, thanks god it's your you know, that he's, he's blessed me with a lot of great people around me That's that amazing. have continued to uh be a part of my life over the last you know 11 12 years that i've been doing this so how did you get on that well I obviously probably wasn't a flight from barcelona to dubai but how did you go from you know a couple shoots barcelona and then you just show up in dubai one day yeah it's actually uh the same uh same guy that i moved to los angeles uh to move in with him, uh, he uh, had an opportunity to uh, uh, come to Dubai and do a two-week test um, on the RED camera. And uh, and even though I hadn't been in contact with him much between May and November of that year, because uh, he had moved back to Italy, uh, then he uh, I reached out to him and said, hey, if you're looking for anyone else to uh, shoot, I'm not really a skydiver because I knew they were doing something for Sky to Dubai. I yeah. said, but if you're looking for something, for someone to shoot on the ground, then hey, I'm available. And uh, so later that day, he said, okay, I'll check and see. And the d- next day I got uh, uh, round trip tickets from LAX to Dubai, business wow. class. I was headed back, to, wow. headed to Dubai. And I was like, I, get, I check in at the hotel and I said, it's uh, Sinus Crown Prince Dubai office that was paying for it. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Did you even know what that was at that point? I knew what a crown prince is. I didn't know the the magnitude or the depth of what that really means. Because yeah. as an American, then the most that we think of uh, like kind of a kingdom or anything would be like the queen of England. Yeah. Yeah. And even then it's just uh, kind of just a figurehead. Yeah. Whereas here in Dubai, it's like, actually, these are the people that are making stuff happen. Yeah. And it's a pretty big deal. It's a really cool deal. What's it's a going huge on here? Deal. Yeah. So when you, so you show up in Dubai, did you go st- skydiving that that first time or no? I did not go skydiving during those two weeks. No. Have you have you gone skydiving and filming at the same time uh, since then? Yeah, I did not film while skydiving, but uh, I came back to Dubai uh, two weeks after I. I, I'm kind of jumping no, the story fine, a little bit. I'm just curious. Yeah, just curious. yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, I like the second time that I came to Dubai, I went skydiving like two days after I got back. Really so. cool. I've never been. So, so you come, you're here in Dubai mm. and you have a great time. What, what happens to, you've been here now seven years. Mm-hmm. What happened, what transpired in those two weeks for you to come back? Yeah. So, um, Everywhere that I go, then I've usually got my iPhone close by and I'm able to take pictures and videos uh, along the way and chronicle life. And uh, so what happened was uh, the guy who was overseeing the the shoot, uh, he said, hey, whenever you take a nice picture on your iPhone, send it to me. And I did. And he shared it with His Highness one night at dinner. His Highness wanted to meet me the next day. He's like, Joseph, I love your iPhone pictures. You got to show me what apps you use and, and all this. So... From that point, uh, the the rest of that week, then I spent a lot of time uh, with them, uh, just one on one, with the guy who was overseeing me, uh, Smile, and uh, and that was the first introdu- introduction uh-huh. to His Highness. And so you're just teaching him I, how to take photos on an iPhone. Yeah, and because some we're, cool apps. And all how to of edit. us are photographers now, right? Yeah, it's true. Uh, so uh, and even at that time, then he was he was you know, serious about photography and filmmaking. Yep. That's the reason why I was there. Cause he wanted to know about the red camera. Yeah. So, but it was also the iPhone. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I did that and went home, 
two weeks later, I got a call saying, hey, we need you to come back and shoot the fireworks for the new year, bring all of your stuff because you may be living here for a while. So they said, when are you available? I said, uh, Christmas in two days, I'd come the next day. So they said, okay, see you in Dubai. So I got off the phone and it's like, that's a 37 second phone call. I was like, mom, dad looks like I'm moving to Dubai. It was 37 seconds. <laughs> yeah, so I packed two bags and- uh, You didn't even like think twice, you didn't blink, you're like, I'm there. We had, uh, there was the idea of maybe moving to Dubai during that last week of being okay, in so Dubai. Okay, so there's already conversation there about it. There was a little bit of a conversation, but it wasn't ever like, let's do it until that moment. And like, yeah, let's go. And so you got on a plane. Yeah. And you came here. Yeah. And it's, it's just been here since. Yeah. How, how? What was that transition like for you from being in freelance for so long to coming to a completely different world mm -hmm and jumping into the highest level of government and royalty in the world, being a personal photographer. Yeah, I think for the first little bit, I was thinking of it being a long-term, longer-term freelance job. So I didn't expect myself to be here, you know, seven years later. Um, I, I needed to pay off my camera within a year. So I came to Dubai with that in mind. I was like, okay, I'll be here for at least eight or nine months or you know, uh -huh. however long they'll have me so I can pay off this camera. Um, and uh, I think, again, being in a big family and kind of being ready to adapt, then it was fairly easy to, to adapt to you know, a different world um, coming to Dubai. Um, and I think it was like two or three years into it that it was like, this is the make or break kind of, do I stay in Dubai and kind of, this is my home or mm -hmm. do I go back to that freelance world? Yeah. What was happening at the point when two or three years into it, where, where was kind of your relationships at with his highness? Where was kind of the work at? What was that kind of like a decision point? Yeah. Um, like a fork in the road. I can't really pin it down. Uh, specifically, uh, the relationship with them has always been incredible. Uh, they've always, um, treated me well and looked out for my best interests. So it's amazing. Uh, I think it's, you know, whenever you're 22, 23 years old and you see everything that's going on in the world, you're like, okay, maybe I could do that. Or, you know, so you're having a little FOMO. It's like, you like fear of missing out. It's just wondering what you could do if you were just doing stuff on your own. Um, yeah, I guess. Well, I, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? right? right. So, regardless, like people would say, oh, you're doing this. Like, why, why would you ever think about that? Well, I talked to other friends that are doing these, you know, Marvel movies, you know, year in, year out. And they're like, oh, you're, you know, working with a sheikh. Why you know, don't you do, yeah. I, I want to do that instead of making Marvel movies. Uh, so everyone's in the same. Yeah, it's true. Wherever you've been, it's like the anomaly has kind of worn off. Yeah. And you're looking for something else. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. I yeah, I think that's, I, obviously, I think that's right. You know, I call it FOMO. Have yeah. you heard of FOMO? Yeah. Fear of missing, Fear of missing out. out. Yeah. Grass is always greener on the other side. Um, so is it just kind of like at that, the the infatuation stage of living in Dubai, doing this here for, after two or three years had just kind of worn off? Yeah, I think um, what it was, was I began uh, seeking um, my work as like the point of highest gratitude. And mm. it was instrumental in having um, people in my life uh, through my church kind of speaking to me about, you know, what is your greatest joy? Where do you, mm. where do you seek highest joy? 
And I recognized that I was not placing my hope and my highest joys in, in the things of God. And that's simply loving God by loving him and, mm. and loving other people. And so it was all about me and seeking first my kingdom instead of seeking first the kingdom of God. And as I began walking that out and, and positioning myself in, in a bit of humility mm. and recognizing, you know, I'm, I've got a lot of pride in my heart yeah. and I was able to um, reposture, you know, place a posture of like, who, who am I? What am I here on earth for? And trying to get a grasp on that instead mm. of what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Uh, who do I need to be? Who am mm. I called to be? Um, and that's something that I continue to uh, work out. And I think someone, something that all of us uh, should be considering, how, how are we walking that out? Who do we want to be mm. instead of what do we want to do? Yeah, that's a really interesting distinction. I think I have like five different questions right now. Um, so I'll, I'll <laughs> ask the first one, I'll ask one at a time. So what I heard you say was that after two or three years, it's almost like you started asking, okay, what's next? How can I further my career in my portfolio? Mm -hmm. Was that it? And then you're looking like, I've already checked this box. What can I do next to build my kingdom, to build my fame, to build my portfolio for me? Is that right? Yeah. And, and I wouldn't say that that's, that was the last time that that's happened. I think right. that's something that's seasonal. Every morning. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, thanks God, it's not so much in the last year, but uh, you know, it would be like a thing like each summer, especially it's, yeah. it's hard to be here in the summers at yeah. times whenever it's so hot and like the business is slowed down and there's not much to do. Um, you're like, what am I doing wasting my life here? You know, it's like, but actually, no, you're not wasting life. You're, you know, so you started kind of serving yourself. You're like, how can I yeah. further myself? But then you flip that on on its head in two ways. First way was, how can I serve who God has made me to be mm -hmm. and who I am, not what I do? Yeah. Yeah, that. And also um, here for Zionists, like, am I searching for what I want to do? Or am I seeking, you know, first his kingdom and, and seeing the joy there is in seeking first the kingdom yeah. and then all these other things being added unto you. So, yeah, it's interesting. I think, especially in our world today of, you know, media, social media, um, everyone's trying to kind of build their personal brand, likes their image, their followers. likes, there's this, everyone wants to be owner, founder, CEO. And I think we, I think we, uh, on twofold, I think we miss it. First fold, even if you are founder, owner, and CEO, if you're going to run a successful business, that means you have to serve your clients. Mm. You're not serving yourself. Instead of being like, once you're the boss, you're actually at the bottom of the totem pole serving all of your clients and you can get fired at any time, right? So you still have to be serving. But the other way that I think we miss it is we miss the joy of serving others. And we're in this culture that says, if you're not number one, then like, what are you doing? Oh, you're number two at Facebook. Well, why don't you like, why you should be number one, go start your own thing. And it sounds it just, that's why I kind of hear Like here you are at the highest, you know, highest point um, that many would, you know, even guys that are shooting Marvel films, yeah. films are looking and saying, this is like what I want to do. And you're saying, well, how can I become number one instead of serving and finding joy in serving? Yeah fun enjoying your work. Absolutely. Uh, my mom, uh, you know, told me, uh, kind of likened it to, 
uh, like a horse. If you, know, you can be a wild horse, you can be out there and like doing everything that you want to do. Mm. But whenever your master finds you and cares for you and grooms you and feeds you and you, when it's cold and raining, then you have the stable, you have all these things. Um, you find the, the joy of, you know, being loved and cared for. Yeah. Um, and that way, instead of just like, you yeah. know, freedom, you know, whatever, like, yeah. It's like, yeah. there's a joy in, in I, that story, it's a submission, right? Yeah. The horse has to submit to his master and say, I am created for your purposes, not for my purposes. And out of that, there's training that's brought along. So then you become even faster than what you would have been, you know, stronger than what you would have been on your own. So actually it's a win-win wow. situation by, you know, submitting, you know. Yeah. We, we hear the word submit and we're like, oh, but actually that's, that's a great thing, actually. It's that, the greatest, uh, it's a place of greatest joy. Yeah. Right. The, 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 if you're walking in humility, you're going to be walking in greater joy. Yeah. It's absolutely critical. So you, you changed your perspective from how can I, you know, build my empire to how can I submit to God's purposes for my life? Yeah. How did that, how did you walk that out? And like, was there practical things you did or is it just one day you're like made a decision and everything was rainbows? I think it's not a thing of, uh, I walked it out. It's a thing that I'm still walking, walking it out. out. And, uh, and for me to say that I've made it, I've achieved, I've, I've landed, I would be, would be false. Um, it's something that I'm still working out on a daily basis and finding opportunities to, to meet up with other people and, and people that are younger than me, finding opportunities to, to share with them and, and be there for them. There's a lot of young kids here in Dubai that have older siblings that have gone off to college and mm. they don't have a big brother. Um, and so being there for those kids and so young people that uh, you have an impact, you know, all of us are agents of change. Mm. Uh, and it's the quicker that we wake up in the morning and recognize that and actually seek to actually do those things that, that change the world for the better, uh, then the, the quicker you're going to be to recognizing um, joy and, and you know, potential, you know, realize potential that God has for you. So it wasn't just that you thought about your work differently, but it was that you began to think about people around you more. Yeah. Outside of work. Yeah. And serve others outside of work. And out of that, it caused there to be a greater joy in, in coming back to work. So counter counterintuitive, but right? Everything in the world is counterintuitive yeah, is. at that point. Whenever yeah. you want to love someone, you've got to serve them. Like if you're not serving them, then the, the, you know, it's, it's everything yeah, in the world. So real. I just, I just think like, even in my, like, I just feel all of my kind of like, I want to be number one, like, you know, King Kong kind yeah, of come yeah. out. And it's just, I think it's so beautiful just to think that we're not just created to work and to be number one or to create something to be remembered by, but we were created to have relationship with people and serve people and pour into other people's lives who probably are never going to, you know, do anything for us, but just, but even in that, that is like, gives us life and purpose. Exactly. So earlier I was talking about, you know, wanting to surround yourself with people that are better than you. And yes, that's important. You know, the five closest friends that you have are going to be, yep. uh, you're going to be the average of them essentially. Um, but that shouldn't keep us from 
you know, looking for opportunities to, to pour into other people and to serve. And out of that, seeing, mm. um, seeing that, again, the joy and the potential realized uh-huh. in your life. It's, it, to reiterate, it sounds like you're saying, yeah, find people who are better than you, but then also find people who aren't and be a mentor to them. Absolutely. Now, going back a little bit, you, the, one of my other, you know, five questions that I had, uh, you said something that I thought was poignant. Um, it was that you aren't what you do, but it's, who it's not you a, are. Yeah. You shouldn't be asking what do you want to do, but who you want to be. Um, because at the end of the, your life. Can you unpack that? Like, what does, what does that mean for you? Um, Malcolm Gladwell uh, spoke about uh, writing a story and he said, instead of uh, starting at the beginning, you need to start at the end and then look back. So if you write the ending, everything else will begin to fall into place. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, okay, if I'm at the end of my life and I think about all the things that I've done, the places that I've been, okay, what is going to be most important to me? Is it going to be that I did this video of uh, someone uh, jumping off the Persian Khalifa or would it be that I, you know, got to travel with the Sheikh or is it going to be the people that I've been able to love along the way and that the people that I've been able to pour into their lives and, mm. and see them also pouring into mine? Cause it's not just about you giving into others. Whenever you reach out and you, you say mentor others, then they're also giving back into your life as well. So it's not just a a give, give, give. No, you're also receiving. So if I think at the end of my life, uh, those relationships, those are going to be most important. So that's kind of one of the things that I'm thinking about. Who do I want to be? Do I want to be uh, just an entrepreneur? Um, Am I wanting to just be, uh, you know, the best photographer? Maybe, maybe I want to be the best at what I, uh, put my hands to. Um, but what's going to be most important is how I interact with other people hmm. and how I um, serve God in the midst of that. So that's what I mean by what do, who do I want to be instead of what do I want to do? If that makes sense. So it's kind of like the difference of what do you want your portfolio to say about you and what do you want people to say about you behind your back? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be one way of, <laughs> of putting it. Right. Uh, yeah. Because like someone like, I mean, you see it all the time, you know, especially now with what's happening in, in Hollywood with Me Too and all this stuff. People have the most amazing portfolios, but then if you turn it, you, you know, find out that what people actually say about them behind their back is like, oh, that person's a jerk. Yeah. Uh, what do you want people that really know you to, to, to consider? Say. Because those are going to be the people that, really you're affecting and they're going to have an opportunity to then be an agent of change as well. Are they going to want to um, consider my life and how I live it and be like, do I want to be like that or do I want to just do my own thing? And I think as a Christian, then we are ambassadors Mm. um, for a king. And so if that's true, um, then what are we saying on his behalf? Um, and if we're not saying what he's saying, then everything's going to be all out of whack and we're not being who we need to be. Yeah. And I think, you know, going kind of off that too, the thought of 
what you do versus who you are. Um, you know, as Christians, you know, there's the, there's two passages. There's the one passage, which is before Jesus performed any miracle, before he did any, you know, sign, wonder, anything, it's, this is my beloved who I'm well pleased. And, but then we also see in scripture, it's, um, the well done, good and faithful servant. And it, and for me, the way that I, I, I think about this very similar to you of who am I, who have I been created to be, not what can I do, not what does my resume say? And I think of it from, instead of working to gain a reputation or working to gain something that says, this is who I am, I'm actually working from who I am. It's my identity has been defined for me. I am a child of God. I am loved by God. I am forgiven. I am, you know, I'm cared for. I'm provided for. Um, all those things have been set in place for me. I don't have to, I'm not doing things. I'm not mentoring people in my life because I want to earn those things, but I've been given those things. And because I've been given those things, I can go do, I can go create, I can go and love people selflessly because I've been loved. And it's about, um, I think, especially whenever you're starting out, you feel like you have to prove something mm. and that identity is, is key. You, uh, as Christians, we don't, we can't prove anything. We already recognize right. that we have nothing. Everything that we are. That's the whole point of it, is, right? It, we're just an empty vessel. And anything that we have received is a blessing from God. Yep. Anything that's taken away is a blessing from God because he is working all his purposes out to fulfill his purpose. So here I am, send me. And and out of that, you're able to freely and more authentically, um, not just surround yourselves with, you know, around the best, but also consider yourselves as the least. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to be... Preachy. No, no. But again, out of this whole like upside down, if we don't talk about these things that are necessary and key to life, then you're not going to be able to go into the workplace and effectively um, and authentically um, be who I think God has called us to be. Yeah. I th you know, you something that you say, it reminds me of this point. You said it's, it's not about trying to get around the biggest and the best people. It's not about trying to climb some ladder and buddy up to people who are really awesome, but you're actually seeing it's opposite. That it's by finding the least and serving people who can't give anything back to you. And it makes me stop and think about all, most all of the greatest people through history that we remembered. Um, normally they're people who people who we say have done great things in their life or for humanity. It's people that associated with the lowly. It's people that served the poor. It's people that gave of themselves unto the point of some of them literally dying to serve someone else's cause and need and, um, you know, whatever it might be. And I think I, for myself, at least, I think one of the greatest, uh, you know, positives and negatives in my life is I want to be great. I want to be known like that. I was great. I was the greatest at, 
you know, fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. I want to do everything with excellence and I want to be great. But realizing like if I, if I want true greatness, it actually doesn't look like the fame and the money and, you know, the likes and the follows and everyone seeing my praises. It, it looks like something different. It looks like humility. It looks like serving those who are less fortunate or those that are marginalized or forgotten. Yeah. If you look back at, you know, just say the last five years and say, what is the greatest thing that I've done? What is the greatest things that I have achieved? Would something in the workplace be what you want to be remembered for or something more on a personal level? Yeah. What's the greatest, what, when you look back on your five years, I, I you asked that question. <laughs> I knew you were going to come back. Thinking, <laughs> here, I'll go, for, I'll go first. Okay, yeah. I, I started thinking back on my five years and my, my very first thought was, oh crap, I haven't done anything cool or anything great in the last five years, right? That, that was literally my first, even though, okay, sure. I was like, okay, but what would I be most, what am I most proud of? in the last five years of my life. And I was trying to think of like, okay, who, what, who have I served? And for me, at least in my stage of life, it was like, wait, my greatest, and this is going to sound so cliche, but it's real. The greatest thing that I think I've done is loving my kids and loving my wife. And we've gone through some hard things in the last five years, but what kind of bubbled up in my heart was like, no, like, I have been, I have, it's been hard. It's been a struggle, but I have been great at that. And I am most proud of that thing, my relationship with my family. And could anything in life top that you think in the next several (sighs) years for the rest of your life? No, I mean, honestly, life is simple, isn't it? Life is so simple. It comes, it comes back. Like you said, this, this few people around you, and I don't know, I heard it said once and I practice this too, when, when someone gives you, you know, praise and thanks and, you know, even since starting this podcast, I've, I've had people message me and it's really flattering, but I lay down in bed at night and I'm like, wow, that is so empty. Like I, it feels great for that second, that praise, that admiration. But when I get in bed at night, I think I that makes me feel so empty and in my, my mind, my heart, I just put all those things in the toilet and I flush and I say, this is worth absolutely nothing in light of who I am and the relationships that I've been called to the steward, my family. I don't think I could like whatever, you know, level of success or, you know, worldly success, as you would say, I mean, it's like, it's, it doesn't satisfy my heart or my soul or my mind or my life. It's like a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. It's empty. It's worthless. Mm -hmm. It's your turn. You're on the hot seat now. (laughs) What is it that I'm most proud of? Yeah. In the last five years was the great, it was, you asked, you asked the question. (laughs) It was the greatest thing that you've like greatness in the last five years. It's weird because greatness mm, could be like 
perceived in a number of different ways. Yeah. Um, so this isn't like an achievement that I would necessarily hold out to others and say, this is what I did uh, in the last five years. But on a personal level, like if I look within myself, then there have been some opportunities to um, hold a grudge and to really not forgive mm. someone for something that happened in life. And whether they were wrong or not doesn't have a bearing on whether it's necessary for me to find forgiveness and, and to continue to love them. And thanks God that has not killed the relationship and killed the desire for me to continue to be friends. So wow. I can continue to walk through life loving them. And, and I want to continue to be able to walk through life, being able to not hold anything too tightly, holding on to grudges or, or anything. Uh, um, and just to continue to love people because we're here for, you know, <laughs> you know, not a very long time and life is short and uh, the world is wide enough for, for you and everyone else. And, and it's, you've got a lot to, to give. And, uh, and we've been given a lot as well as, you know, we're blessed as well. So we want to continue to just love people. So I think that would have been the most difficult thing to overcome. Mm. And, and I think, uh, I've been able to, uh, walk through that and, and, so, and love them continuously. So to understand, right. Someone, whether they were wrong or not, yeah. in some way you felt wrong or offended and you had an opportunity to hold a grudge. Mm but you forgave them, but it wasn't just like, I forgive you and I don't, I'm never going to talk to you again, but I forgive you. But it was an actual, like, I'm still in a relationship, even though I feel hurt in the relationship. It's not a thing where you say to them, oh, I forgive you for, for <laughs> doing this. Hey, John, by the way, um, I forgive you. I just want to let you know, I forgave you a long time yeah. ago. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, you get to, uh, love is not just words. It's you, you've got to act that out. And, and you know, personally, whether or not you're caring yeah. for them, you don't have to send these, you know, passive aggressive, uh, you know, or, or aggressive yeah. <laughs> uh, signals or, you know, whatever. You just got to walk that out. And that's a daily process. Uh, you don't just decide, okay, I forgave them and we're moving on. No, it's like, we're going to continue to walk this out. Um, and that's a, that's a heart thing, heart thing that you work out uh, with between you and God and also hopefully people in your life uh, who love you and who are going to speak difficult things to you and, and call out um, opportunities uh, for growth, growth and humility yeah. and, uh, and forgiveness. What is, what was that like for you? Um, I'm sure, you know, everyone in life, I, it's impossible, impossible to go through life without someone wronging you, without being hurt, without being offended, without, holding a grudge, whether it's against a sibling or a parent or a child or a friend, how did you walk that out? Like, are there some practical kind of like one, two, three steps? Mm. I think considering in your own life, uh, a number of opportunities where you have wronged other people and seen where you're not perfect and where you did not deserve, um, you know, forgiveness and them, other people walking in love towards you. Um, I think through other people in my life, you know, other family members, uh, uh, me being rude to my sister growing up, one of my sisters and, and her still loving me and caring for me and seeing that relationship restored. I think walking through that and seeing the joy of restored relationships, 
uh, and knowing that, you know, this may be how you feel right now, but look towards a future, hopefully, uh, by God's grace, that you'll be able to be in a position where that relationship is flourishing and you're both in a, you know, in a really good place. Um, because just because that's where you are right now in a relationship doesn't mean it has to be that way. And if you continue to look to love people, then, uh, hopefully that'll, that'll come to fruition. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if that's, that answers, uh, like, well, that gives an example of why I would want to do something like that. I think also, um, God's work in my life to, to have that desire. Um, but just practically, um, seek to be that friend that you've always been to them before those things happen mm. and seeing what, it, how you would respond to them. Just continue to walk it out, even yeah. though it's not easy. I think what stuck out to me in your answer was that piece of humility again. Um, I feel like it's come up a couple different times. You know, f- first it came up with uh, not building your own kingdom, not trying to figure out how, what can, what can I get out of this relationship? Um, you know, early on in your story, what can I get out of this relationship by, you know, knocking on all these doors, trying to, you know, get in with, you know, people of influence, but you, you asked, what can I give? That's a, a point of humility. Um, then with uh, his highness and you at that two, three year mark, you realize that you began to ask, well, what am I getting out of this? What is my CV getting out of this? Who is Joseph becoming out of this? How am I building my, you know, my empire? And then you realize that uh, that's that's me serving myself. And instead you reverse that. And you said, I'm going to go low. I'm going to be humble. And I'm going to say, what can I give to his highness? And how can I serve his highness's dreams and desires and see him be filled with joy from the work that I do? Um, and then humility and saying, I'm going to look around me and I see younger, younger kids, younger guys. Um, let's face it, you know, sometimes it's not fun to hang out with a middle school, middle schooler, right? <laughs> if you're middle schoolers, please DM me. I love, I love middle schoolers. DM me and I'll message you back. DM Joseph too. <laughs> DM him first. <laughs> um, but that's a point of humility because you you're, you're giving up your time, you're giving up your leisure, you're giving up profession, you're giving up, you know, a side hustle that you could make more money on if you wanted by serving these younger kids. Um, and then finally, it was in these in relationships when you're being, feel like you've been wronged, whether you've been wronged or not, um, and you're carrying offense, it's you realizing in humility that you are no better than that person because you've done the same thing to someone else in your life and someone else has forgiven you whether you've realized it or not. Absolutely, yeah. It's so backwards. Again, everything in this world, the best things in life, you you have to look at them from the other side uh, to see it straight. That's real. So, uh, I, you know, this is a, a shift of subject. Um, clearly, you know, when you came uh, with with this highness, you you struck it off. Your relationship was great. 
your skills were excellent. You were, you know, the cream of the crop, the best at what you did. So it makes sense that you would get that position. Um, but what has it been over the last seven years in you? And I think, you know, from this conversation, we can almost already assume the answer. But what has it been that has kept you in that position in, in relational standing? Um, I think even in life in general, working for one employer for seven years and having a great relationship with them is, you know, across the board, it's a sign and a wonder, right? And so I think anyone, whether they're in a nine to five or freelancing or trying to start their own thing can can take whatever answer you have and learn from it. But what has been that thing that has kept you in that seat of of honor and favor? Mm. I guess maybe not being too comfortable with like, you've already been given the opportunity. You could just sit back and be like, eh, you know, this is where I am. But considering each day, you know, this is an opportunity for me to continue to, um, to be what I've been in the past and to continue to learn how to be better at whatever you do. Um, and continue to seek opportunity, even though if it's the same kind of things that you're shooting, the same kind of schedule, um, you feel like it's monotonous. Mm. Uh, you continue to um, find ways to to learn and, and to add to yourself um, and continue to seek ways of growing in uh, favor and wisdom and stature with God and man. So like, uh, that's something that I continually think of is, am I, am I growing in these three areas? Um, and, uh, so what I, what are those, what are those three areas that you, you think? Sorry to interrupt yeah. your, your stream growing in what three areas? So, uh, favor, uh, I'm looking to, oh, that's, it's, it's interesting to begin to <laughs> think about these specific terms. Um, well, it, it's a, I guess the byproduct of, um, of you applying yourself, uh, working hard and, and caring about what other people care about. Um, so, I mean, how, <sighs> I think favor comes from when you, like when you're pleasing to someone and someone's well pleased with you as an individual from the way that you carry yourself to your relationship to your professional life, your work with them. I think there's a, a sort of favor that's garnered. It's, I don't think it's like a, like you said, it's not just a, a one kind of, you know, box. It's the holistic. Yeah. How are you carrying yourself as a person? How are you treating not only the person that you seek favor with, but the other people around? If, you know, if I'm seeking favor with my boss, and so I am, you know, sweet talking him, but to everyone around him, I'm talking down to them. I'm going to lose favor with my boss because he's going to see through me. He's like, oh, he's just trying to flatter me and he's trying to get something out of me. But I think favor comes from the way that we are treating others, always treating others better than ourselves. Whether it's the guy in the bathroom washing the sink or whether it's the crown prince, we're treating everyone across the spectrum as if they're better than ourselves. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's very good. Um, 
along with that wisdom, kind of thinking about uh, not just as a filmmaker, but other creative processes. So I, I've been spending a lot of time recently watching a lot of masterclasses, uh, masterclass.com. Cool. I love those things. And uh, even if it's Usher on live performance or Steve Martin on comedy, then these are different things that you're, you're beginning to think like, you know, people that are doing great stuff yeah. um, that are really hard workers and very creative. And even though it won't, um, even though I'm not trying to be a funny guy or, uh, you know, dance on a stage, um, the way that they consider things and, and how to be a creative, um, those are things that I can um, somewhat um, distill from what they're saying mm. and kind of insert that into my own life and yeah. how I operate as a creative. Yeah. Um, and so I think all of these things are a makeup of who you are. And out of that, you're able to present that in the workplace and also with, with people in personal life. Mm. Um, uh, so these are different things that I think it's necessary, even though I spent a lot of time on red user before, you know, I, I came to Dubai, uh, look for other areas to continue to grow your knowledge and your, your um, know-how um, because the world keeps on mm-hmm. spinning and there's new technology, there's new ways to think about stuff and you've got to keep current. Um, yeah. So it's continuing to grow in favor, which I think is more relationship. It's um, like we were talking about. And then wisdom, which is growing not just in your narrow craft, but realizing that if you can learn things as a comedian that actually builds you up in all of the other areas of your life or whether it's a presentation. I mean, even even though maybe many of us are not standing on stages, mm-hmm. but when we walk into the office every day, we are presenting ourselves every time that we communicate to our boss or those people underneath us, it's a presentation of sorts and learning to be a better public speaker is going to help in those areas. Mm -hmm. So learning, growing in wisdom. Mm -hmm. Was was there a third one? Uh, Stature was the third one that I was, I brought up. Stature, that's going to speak to growing physically, taking care of our physical health, Mm -hmm. uh, our bodies. How are we caring for ourselves? Right. So it's a holistic, it's absolutely, it's how are we treating other people? It's favor. It's Mm -hmm. our minds, wisdom, growing and understanding. And it's also the physical body. It's very important. Um, are we just abusing our bodies or are we taking care of ourselves and our health? Yeah. What else would you, uh, would you say? I think, uh, Continuing to uh, see that you, you've never arrived and and that's not the goal is to arrive at a certain point, but to continue to be faithful in who you are mm-hmm. and what you're doing um, in all areas. And I, I'm a firm believer that you know, God opens doors that no man can open and he shuts doors that no man can shut. And this is definitely an opportunity that I could not have opened on my own. Right. Um, I, my name is Joseph and, you know, people say, oh, the dreamer. Uh, I do dream a lot and I didn't even dream. I couldn't have dreamt this, this yeah. up. You know, they say that you have the dream job. No, I couldn't have even couldn't dreamed this up. Imagine so, it. Yeah. yeah. So I've been very blessed and, and continue to um, remember um, that I have been blessed and not let it get to my head and be like, oh, well, I got here because I'm this good. So I must be good enough to go on to the next thing. Mm. <laughs> so it's like not, so it's what I hear you saying is not taking 
what you've been given for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, not kind of, oh, now I've arrived so I can just like lean back, ease back and kind of let my work slip. But always saying, how can I continue to grow in my craft in the midst of What's the next In the midst of this, yeah. In the midst of, I'm doing the similar shoot day in, day out. I'm going to go do camel races next week and it's not really the most exciting thing to do, but it's what I've been given to do. And so I'm going to continue to work faithfully and apply myself and, and do it. And you're going to, within that, you're going to say, how can I create a, a more creative and a better product, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not just slipping into it. And um, re- the, the th- last part, I think it was realizing that you couldn't have placed yourself there and not growing a big head of saying like, well, I'm the hot shot. Look how great I am. And I deserve this. I deserve that. I deserve the next thing. Because we don't deserve any of it. We don't deserve any. Anything. And- Thanks God for even this day. Like we don't, yeah, we yeah. did nothing for this. <laughs> it's true. It's true. What would you say? Um, you know, there are, there are people who are, you know, travel bloggers that listen to this. There are people who, you know, work nine to fives in Saudi who are trying to start their own startup tech company. There are uh, photographers and musicians in Oman. There are storytellers in Oman. What, what would you say to, you know, someone that's kind of in our age range, you know, early twenties, mid twenties, like, what would you say to them as they are pursuing their dreams? Like, what is like the, the closing kind of like takeaway that they should hold on to and wrestle with for the next five to 15 years? I think it's necessary to not, uh, diminish, uh, what you have around you, wherever you are, and to see that you have opportunities even in your hometown. I mean, I came from a really small town in Oklahoma and it wasn't just like I moved from Oklahoma to Dubai and now I'm doing cool stuff. It's even whenever I was in Oklahoma applying myself and, and day in, day out, um, seeking opportunities to, to help others and to uh, seek opportunity to, to grow and, and learn. Um, the internet is an amazing source of knowledge yeah, it is. and you can learn just about anything and everything there um, for free most of yeah. the times. And so utilize the, uh, the gifts and the opportunities that we have in this day and age um, to be able to learn. Yeah. Uh, there's no so reason true. if anyone says they're oh, bored, oh, that's like the worst thing even. to say because it's my pet peeve. <laughs> I'm bored. Oh, uh, no, the, the world is, is wide with opportunity uh, and even within your own hometown, wherever you may be. Um, so uh, get busy and, and, you know, stay, stay. Uh, For context, yeah. your hometown in Oklahoma, how many probably thousands of Maybe people? Maybe 20,000 people. So you came from a hometown of 20,000 people, but you were doing video work and getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. How much were you making at the point when as a teenager... Teen, guys, teenager in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, I'd look 20,000 people. I mean, I do wedding videos for maybe a thousand dollars on the weekend, um, which is uh, not exactly a whole lot, but for you know, 16 year old, that's, that's a whole pretty, lot for a 16 year old. It's pretty good. So, and that gave you, it gave you a skill, it gave you a platform. Someone in that town mm-hmm. saw yeah. you and took you under his wing and yeah. taught you things of business. Yeah. So I, I am just going to, for all of you listening, I'm going to second Joseph's point. Like 
there, there's no excuse of, oh, I'm in this town. You don't understand. It's like 20,000 people. Like most people are living in cities with way more than 20,000 people, which means way more opportunity. I think that's such a crucial point. Because I, I hear so many people downplaying where they live as an excuse for not being able to achieve whatever they want to achieve. Yeah. And everyone has a story. Everyone has their own unique point of view. So it's also another pet peeve of mine. Oh, the, I don't want to show you my pictures because, you know, you're the professional. It's like you're in a different place than what I could be and you're going to see something different. And the camera is, is just a, is use that as an interpretation of where you're at. So you don't have to be a cameraman or anything. I'm saying whatever you are in, in whatever business you do, you're seeing things in a different way. And where you come from, will you'll you'll have that unique perspective. So use that to your advantage. It's not a it's not a weakness. Um, so play up to those uh, things that you think were disadvantages and mm. make them your your strengths. Mm. That's really good. I like that. One last thing before we close: What has been the craziest, wildest? You know, whether it's shoot or whatever it is that you've been on as far as professionally with your film, what has been like? wow, that was crazy. Like one crazy story to end. Cause I bet you have a ton. Uh, I think the first thing that uh, comes to mind is uh, a couple of years ago, we were shooting this thing with uh, Jetman, Jetman Dubai and uh, a couple of guys, they were uh, flying in formation with this A380, this Emirates Airbus A380. Yeah. And I'm in a little chopper and uh, we're like uh, doing a little, a couple of pickup shots with just the A380. And, um, his highness Sheikh Hamdan is in the cockpit and we're trying to get a shot of him kind of given the, the, the yeah. mighty by signal. And, uh, and so we, we have to get in really close. He comes in and like right on us. And when we get so close, he's that, in the cockpit at the A380. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're in the helicopter. I'm in the helicopter and they go maybe two or 300 feet, uh, just in front of us. Uh, and, and then all at once, then we've got the, uh, the, the turbulence from the plane and the, boom, 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 you know, the helicopter kind of goes down and they're like, so did we get the shot? It's like, yeah, that was great. Um, could, could we get one more? <laughs> so they did another, another circle around for us to get another couple of shots. And uh, it was just like, what in the world? We've got this A380, uh, specifically for this shoot. And I'm in this chopper and getting to shoot video of his highness and we're like talking back and forth and like, yeah, good shot. Okay. We're good. Finished for the day. That is a moment I think I'll, I'll never forget. I was terrified and (laughs) also blown away, just literally blown away. Uh, Wow. um, It was an incredible day. Wow. Well, Joseph, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so grateful for your time and the things that you personal things that you opened up and shared. Um, I hope, I hope audience, you guys, I hope you got a lot out of this episode and uh yeah just going back to the beginning i uh the first time i met you and even you know from this conversation um i've i've seen your work on dubai film and i've seen that you know that shoot with the jetman and the a380 and you're you're as on as a professional on a professional level your skill is astounding and then I hear your story of how you got to where you are. And I'm like, man, your, your persistence and your drive and your creativity and, you know, building network and building relationship is astounding. But from the first time I met you, and even from this conversation, 
the thing that I, the thing that I continually take away from you as an individual, it's not those things. When I think of you, I don't think of those things. I think of, uh, of your integrity. I think the first time that we talked, you shared how you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to take a step back from traveling so much because there's these young guys that I feel like I need, be, need, need to be a big brother to, and I need to pour into those relationships. And I thought to myself, I'm like, wow, the humility of Joseph, the humility of like serving other people and the integrity that you walk in your life. Um, that is a thing that I think shines, shines forth in your life and that I see you as, as Joseph, who's one that walks with such a, a fear of God, um, integrity and a love for people. And, uh, I'm just, I'm just so grateful that I get to know you and well, thank you so much for having me yeah. on. I really appreciated uh, being able to talk. And yeah, it's definitely, I have not arrived for sure. It's something that I'm working out. And uh, yeah. by God's grace, he'll continue to uh, carry this out in my life. Inshallah. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you got a lot of value out of this conversation with Joseph. His info is in the show notes. Please DM him or DM me if you have any questions. Remember, own your story and you'll own the future.